Good morning. Hello on this fine Sunday, Saturday morning. I just learned that it's daylight savings time. I was very not delighted to hear that because I feel like my body just got used to the last daylight savings time. So now we're going to spring forward, but I guess that means we'll have more daylight. Um, so good morning on this fine Saturday morning. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Room One Coaching. So far, Sunshine, you are the only one here. So if you have anything you'd like to talk about, please let me know, like raise your hand, or if you want to go over into the chat and let me know if there's anything on your mind. Um, if not, that's okay. I will just start talking a little bit about this new way I've been thinking about the model. So Kelly and I teach this thing called the model, which is like our primary coaching tool. And I've been thinking that it's too simple. Um, I think a good way to use it is as a way to kind of um, tease apart some of the messiness and the chaos that we have going on in our brains and in our bodies. So for example, like when we're going through something that's hard, um, I'll use like a complication I had over the weekend. When you're going through something hard, then what can happen is, is it's like this frenzy right? It's like chaos almost in your brain and sometimes even in your body as well. And I think the model can actually help us to just tease apart and understand what is what. But I think this way of thinking about it in this linear fashion is not, um, is maybe not telling us the whole story. As I've been working through some trauma training, um, I think our bodies and our brains, it's more, it's more of like a circular way that, that this might be useful. Um, so, you know, ordinarily we think that circumstances are the things that happen outside ourselves and they trigger us to have thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. And then the result of our life will end up tying back to the thought. So that's like a little bit of circularness to it, but this really kind of implies there's this top down approach as if we are like this big brain on top of like this flesh bag that that has this more like linear top-down kind of um, movement between our thoughts and our body. But that's actually not how it is. Um, it's more of a, you know, uh, more of a elegant feedback loop. We all know this because we've all done neuro, right? We've all studied the central nervous system, the peripheral nervous system. We know what afferent and efferent means. So it really is kind of this circular motion that, you know, still we could be triggered by a circumstance, but there's a lot happening in the, you know, like head down body. And there's a lot happening in the brain, but this, this feedback is like happening simultaneously. And very often we think, you know, in the old way, we think, you know, your model is uh, in the model, your, your thought is what creates the feeling, but there are times when you have a sensation first and your sensation, your body takes an information from your environment through your peripheral nervous system. Sometimes it's an internal sensation that's called enteroreception, or sometimes it's something that's coming in through our five senses and that sends feedback up to the brain that's processed and that creates a thought. So it's not necessarily that this top-down approach. Sometimes there's a bottom-up approach and then there's that kind of feedback between the two. 
And we are all very smart people. We don't need to dumb this down for our group. And I think, you know, for me and processing my own discomfort and what I'm now recognizing as trauma that I experienced, not only in my childhood and development, but also in becoming a surgeon and continuing to be a surgeon. Um, this understanding is helping me in my own life process through um, and helping to expand some of the bodily sensations. And it's increasing my window of tolerance to be in my body, which then increases my ability to be alive in any given moment. So how's that for four minutes of like a crash course in trauma? Um, we have a couple more people that have joined and I am going to make sure everybody's renamed. And then let me ask for any, um, um, let me ask for any volunteers. Anything coming up for people this week? Um, I had a complication last weekend. It was super fantastic to, <laughs> to process. Um, okay, here we go. Sunny, cold day. I'm so happy you're here. Let me allow you to talk and then we'll get rolling. What did I just do? Uh-oh. I think I accidentally kicked her out. What happened? Oh, shoot. I just made a mistake, you guys. I think I hit remove instead of promote to panelist. Oh my gosh, I hope she comes back. Is there anybody else? Oh no. I hope she comes back on. There she is. Oh, thank God. Sunny cold sorry. day, I am so sorry I hit the wrong button. I think I somehow hung up, so I apologize. <laughs> um, okay, um, though I definitely want to hear about your complication. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, I guess in this. Okay, so this week I felt like I was spinning, and uh, then like when gas went up to over four dollars a gallon, I was like, "That's it," <laughs> which seems like. A really funny thing, but I think it's just like it was the thing that just put me over the edge. Like I'm just mm -hmm. like, oh, man, everything's a mess. Yeah. So what what came up for you? Gas is over four dollars. Everything's a mess. Yes. Is that the thought? Yes. Yes. Everything's a mess. Like it's out of control again. Mm hmm. So. Was anything ever not a mess? <laughs> no. I think it's funny. Like right now I was uh, thinking, what am I, I should call into coach, but I don't really know what I can coach about, which is so funny because like two days ago, I was like totally a mess over like gas and um, we have spring break plans and, you know, mm -hmm. always stuff going on in the hospital. It's, uh, it, it's, it's just this continual attempt to tame my brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Forever until we die. <laughs> That's basically <Yes>. it. 
Okay, gas, four bucks. I live in California. Gas is like $5.69 a gallon for the cheap gas, for the, for yeah, the 87 wow. octane. Um, <laughs> okay, so if I'm, I don't know if you heard that, I'm hoping to not confuse anybody, but I'm thinking about, you know, just sort of alternating the way we think about the model and understanding a little bit better, like the interplay between our thoughts and our feelings. So if awesome. your, your T is everything's a mess. Mm -hmm. Yes. And obviously you're going to have some, some feelings about that. Yeah. Overwhelm and out of control and I like, yes. Yeah. And then, so actions, any actions that are coming up when you're feeling overwhelmed, they're out of control. Yes. I dwell on it. Like really, is that big of a deal that gas, if we are fortunate that gas being that expensive is not really that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the, all the other things like worrying about vacations and stuff really, is that like, that's such an, such a, we're so fortunate to be able to do those things. So, um, we are, so I have a question for you. What is the real problem here? Is it that, um, do you feel bad about having it so good? Uh, yeah, definitely. That that's part of it sometimes. Definitely. Like it's not because then I was thinking about, um, so I do some outreach clinics and, um, so I drive there usually separately cause I have other stuff going on, like at the hospital or whatever. And then some of my team comes and I think they get reimbursed, uh, their mileage. But then in my brain, I'm like, I bet they haven't been bumped up. You know, the mileage is supposed to kind of adapt to the current expenses, but I'm mm -hmm. sure it hasn't done that yet. So then and then I forgot to do this, but I thought in my mind, I need to give my team members some extra money because they had to drive here to help me. I'll do that next week. Um, but yeah, like it's, <laughs> yes, I do. I do feel bad. And I think that's really important to understand, like, this is probably the superficial thought. Everything's a mess, but we're making it mean something, right? Like, yeah. It's got to be like a deeper belief that some, you know, something else is underlying it. And what I was hearing you say just in the tone of your voice was that there's it's somehow bad that you have it so good compared to other people. Right. And I yes. just, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I just want to make sure we all understand because I bet we all feel similar at times. Right. Yeah. And, and maybe even I didn't realize that's part of why I was feeling bad about this. Like, like, um, you know, I know sometimes patients will come and something will happen and we we're either running behind or we are, um, in like, it, we have to cancel office or something. And then patients are there and they might've driven a long ways to come and see us. And it's then, I mean, seems like giving them a $5 gas card is not going to do it. <laughs> right. And so what would that be for though, to like really help them? Or would that be to assuage some sort of like 
unpleasant feeling in us that we, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm asking right. out of curiosity. Yes. Um, yes. Oh, see, I have so much more down below than what I ever thought. <laughs> right. I mean, that's why it bothers you so much though. Right. And go ahead. No, I'm, that's it. <laughs> Yeah. Well, let's just finish this and like, let's see what we see. So when you're feeling everything's a mess, we know underneath that in some way, it's like, I have it good. Other people don't. And like that somehow makes me bad or makes me like, I don't deserve it or whatever. Right. right? Like it, yes. just like everything we talk about probably boils down to some form of worthiness issue. Right. Um, and so you said overwhelmed or out of control. Those are probably very similar. So we'll just keep overwhelmed. And then, so then the actions are you dwell. What else do you do? You try to do things to assuage. So I wonder if there's a little guilt here. Yes. So you um, like, yes. you know, think about like, wait, like, um, think about ways to help, but it's really assuaging your whatever feeling. Yeah. Right. But that's okay. Like think no matter what the reason is, and maybe, maybe it's not just out of like guilt or overwhelm, but maybe out of genuine caring. I think there's probably it's all together right? Like it's all, none of this happens neatly with one, one model at a time. I imagine right. there's probably like a jumble where you like genuinely care about people. You genuine, genuinely, like your people on your team, you just describe really matter to you and you want oh, yes. them to have, you know, so I don't want to just like be so narrow-minded that we're just saying, oh, you know, we feel bad because we don't feel worthy of all the wonderful life we have, but no, like we're good freaking people and we care very much for other people. Am I right? Right. Yes. Right. <laughs> good. <laughs> all right. So, um, so you think about ways to help and, um, what else have you been doing? Oh, well, waiting till the last minute to get gas. <laughs> Thinking it's going to go down. Like really what's the, I drive a hybrid, so I don't know what the, the <laughs> okay. Anything else you can think of? Well, just trying to change my actions to, to, um, you know, be, conscientious of other of of people of our patients of our team members yeah so it's like you're spending a lot of mental energy on other people is yes. that fair yes this is the first time i'm writing the model in a circle so yeah i like it me. okay <laughs> it's like sideways and nah. okay so spend mental energy on others. Okay. So we know there's probably more here, a question of worthiness, worthy of fortune or your, your lot in right. life. Overwhelm, perhaps guilt, perhaps 
you know, you're feeling um, out of control. And then of course that is going to lead, lead you to act, which is dwelling and thinking about ways to help and waiting till the last minute to get gas and spending mental energy. It sounds from the, what you're describing, it just sounds kind of like sort of not chaos necessarily, but just kind of like these discharges of things that don't have a real order. Right. Bouncing everywhere. Just boom, 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 boom. So you feel out of control, then you act kind of out of control, although that sounds sort of not nice, but that's kind of the description that I'm hearing. Yes. Okay. And so then the result is, which is basically your life experience, right? The result is going to be like the lived experience ends up kind of messy, does it not? Yes, yes, yes. It's not clean at all. And now I just like to ask, like, is that a problem? Mm, That's a good question. I always make it a problem. I always make it something about how I'm not good at doing, feeling the way I think I should feel. So yes, I always make it a problem, but really it's probably not a problem. It's just what it is. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing to think about. Like right now, it seems like the world is on fire, right? Because of everything that's happening in Ukraine and Russia and all that stuff. And it's really in our face. It's, it's like top headline news. So we're, we have an acute awareness of this right now. We just came out of this or maybe are still coming out of the stretch of a global pandemic, whereas healthcare providers, we were acutely aware on the daily basis of the world being on fire. And um, so not only are we kind of primed for it, now the, the, what our brains are getting as far as the news is concerned is like, well, the world's still on fire and it's just getting worse. Right. And so like, num- I have a couple points here and let me just see how these land. Number one, what's happening in Ukraine is just freaking terrible. So yeah. like, why would we want to feel any differently than like shitty about it? Yes. I mean, it's not, some people might argue, well, it's not useful to feel shitty. And I'm like, but it's really shitty. So why wouldn't we feel yes. bad about it? You know, and so like, if we just feel bad about something that makes sense to feel bad about, then like, there's no problem. Right. So that's number one that I'll just kind of put out there. Number two is, is the news, right? Like we are getting this headline news all the time about all the bad things. And sometimes they seem worse than others for us as healthcare workers. I think COVID was really difficult and at the top of everybody's mind all the time for the last couple of years. Yeah. And then now this, but things have kind of been shit forever. (laughs) Right. Right. Like we don't think about North Korea on a daily basis. We don't think about um, Aleppo on a daily basis. We don't think about uh, East Timor and all of the child labor in the diamond industry in Africa and kids getting their arms chopped off and all this stuff like shit is going down every day. Yes. And we see it in our jobs. Shit's going down every day. People come in hit by a car. People come in with cancer. People come in blah, 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 blah. Like it seems as though 
if we allowed it, the news would be bad all the time. Yes. But what we don't allow simultaneously, whether it's like an allowing or a seeking or an availability of all of the beautiful things that are happening too. True. Like, um, all the generosity that we see in response to some of these things, all of the community building. I just read Mm -hmm. a post this morning. um, Elizabeth Ignacio is an orthopedic surgeon and on her personal page, she posted about this guy who, and she lives in Hawaii and and this guy who um, has like a health food cafe. And he has this whole program at the health food cafe for all these workers to come in and eat for free. Or if you're houseless, you can come eat for free and you can donate. And I mean, what a wonderful, intimate little nugget of beauty. Right. But it's like our newsfeed doesn't have those nuggets or we don't allow ourselves to see them or we don't seek them out. Yeah. So what I have to offer here is two things. Number one, Maybe this actually isn't a problem. Yeah. Although the worthiness thing, um, like we all, we all are humans on this earth and we all are here for like, how do we make sense of who is where at any given date or time? Like, how do we make sense of any of this? And I think it's so easy for us as women and, um, with our messaging that we've internalized to make everything at like this worthiness equation. So there's, I think always like a little something to be learned about that, but in general, if it's shitty and you feel shitty, then what, like, why not feel shitty about that? Yeah. Um, so, and then also, is it possible for us to kind of balance the bandwidth of our attention between stuff that is really wonderful and beautiful that's happening all around us all the time simultaneously with all the badness yes yes all all of that is very good thank you you're welcome (laughs) so does that feel kind of complete or is there anything else you want to talk about or bring up with that Thank you for not making fun of me being worried about gas. <laughs> I'm not worried. I'm not making fun of you. Heck no. First of all, this is the land of no judgment, no judgment here. The, the I know, gas, I know yeah. And honestly, like these gas prices, I was talking to my team about this yesterday. Um, was that yesterday or two days ago in the OR? I was talking, you know, cause I'm thinking, the anesthesiologist and I are the most well-to-do people in this room, probably like, I don't know what people's investments are like or whatever, but I'm thinking, wow. And I live in California and the cost of living is high here. And I'm thinking, how do these texts do it? Like my, the nurse in the room was talking about, you know, how overwhelmed she is at home. And the tech was talking about how his wife is in school to become a nurse. And like, how do they do this? And how do they pay? How do they manage their lives? Like, how have they been doing this through all the childcare crisis and COVID and all that other stuff? And I think the distinction for me is now like through this type of work, I now know that my worthiness is, um, not tied up. Like, um, I know that I'm a worthy human either way. 
and that I stop trying to understand why I have privilege and then focus on like who I want to be with the privilege. Yes. Um, And what that translates to is you're just having a better, more pleasant, less uncomfortable experience. Yeah. And then when it is uncomfortable, you know, it's like a clean discomfort. It's not about you. It's about, you know, just normal feelings for normal circumstances or for not normal circumstances, but, um, yeah, I like it. Okay. We've had a comment that I want to read out, um, as very privileged members of our communities help out by donating to your local food pantry, animal shelter, heating assistance program, et cetera. I love that. And that is so true. Like there are all these little ways where we can actually become instruments of, um, those little nuggets of beauty for people. Even if we think they're not significant, they, they, the cumulative effect makes them very significant. Um, yes. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Sunny, cold day. Okay. So I'll mute you and let's see if anybody else has anything to say or want to get coached on. Uh, so you can go ahead and raise your hand, um, or pop into the chat. Anything else out there? I'll start talking about that complication. Okay, here we go. All I have to do is threaten to start having verbal diarrhea. (laughs) Okay. Um, Looks like Aurora, can you unmute yourself? Okay, there you go. What's happening? Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, I'm Aurora. (laughs) Hi, Aurora. Hi. So I, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, kind of coming back from uh, not feeling well. Okay. um, In terms of work. Um, Yeah. yeah, So I, like two weeks ago, I had a week long migraine, which I've never had. Um, I have migraines, but never like that. Um, And I just got nothing done all week in Mm -hmm. my, um, like of the extra stuff. Um, You know, I took a lot of Motrin and Tylenol and some triptan and, uh, made it through my uh, hospital time, my work time. Uh, but at home, I did nothing. And I got none of my extra like academic or administrative duties done that I planned for the week. And now it's been a week and a half since then. <laughs> and still haven't gotten any of that stuff done. Like I just threw it away because I, um, you know, was ill, not well, able to do it on time. I'm not sure why I'm not getting it done now. Okay. So let me, I just want to ask some points for clarification. Um, were they things that had like some kind of a deadline to where like now they couldn't be done? Or can you give us a little more details about these items that you want to accomplish um, or if they even need to be accomplished? Can we understand a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, so I have um, some responsibilities with doing like medical student evaluations and I had like, um, you know, two thirds of them done on time. They were kind of due that week that I got the migraine and um, the other third is still not done. So they were due, they still need to be done. Sorry, friends. Um, and I just certainly a non-preferred activity. Um, so I haven't finished that. Um, and then otherwise, just like I have a couple of small projects um, that I would like to be doing. I have a um, sort of a quality improvement initiative that I am wanting to work on that I had kind of set a personal deadline for myself of having done um, by this past week. And this past week, I also had some things that kind of sent me back. I had a kid home from school on one of my days off, a total sabotage. And um, yeah, I just keep coming up with excuses why I'm not doing these couple of things that I need to do. Okay. So thank you for sharing that. I think this is um, a really like equalizing experience because we've all <laughs> been been there in some way where we've got these things on the to-do list that for whatever reason we procrastinate on. And it sounds like for you, some of the things that kind of triggered this was number one, the migraine, right? The migraine week where you were just, you know, ill and less capable of plugging through. Yeah. Okay. So migraine week and then kid home. And then, so now we've got, um, you know, tasks to complete. So they're still there, right? Right, yeah. And okay. I think like the, the bigger thing, I mean, like just seeing it listed there helps me see kind of the bigger thing is I, I kind of catastrophize and I make it be like, gosh, every time that something doesn't go according to plan, I then just don't do it. Um, and of course, like in our world and in our business, lots of things don't go according to plan. Isn't that um, funny? So you yeah. just, you just actually said the thought that's probably the, the painful thought, which is like, every time things don't go according to plan, you said it better. Everything, every um, time things, every time things don't go according to plan, I just don't do them. But you said something differently. You said it. Um, um, what did I say? I said in our business, um, there's a lot of times when things don't go according to plan. Um, that's true. But the first time you said this, you said it like more judgmental towards yourself. Every time things don't go according to plan, something along the lines of like you're, you, you don't, you don't something or another. Do you recall? I don't. So when you think about like the migraine week and your kids home and like there are these things on your to-do list that you'd actually like to get done, you think to yourself, every time things don't go according to plan, I, what? Is it um, like I, I get derailed or I get off course or I, I kind of just, I just give up. Like I, don't I give up. Do it. Yeah. Yeah or procrastinate or, yeah. um, you know, fail. I fail. <laughs> Ooh, that's kind of judgmental language. I know. 
But that's what's probably the truth of what's going on inside. Because it's usually not uh, a problem if we're not judging ourselves. <laughs> we're sure. so amazing at judging ourselves. Okay, so if this is your tea, then how do you feel when that happens? When you're thinking like if when, you know, if every time things don't go according to plan, I fail. How does that make you feel? Um, not good enough, uh, inadequate, okay. not capable, incapable. Which do you think is more true for you? I think probably what matches this a little bit more is incapable. Okay. And then when you feel incapable, what do you do or not do? Um, well, I, I don't do the things on the list. I, um, justify, uh, I, um, I judge myself, um, How do you judge yourself? That's like usually a thought loop where we're, where we're telling ourselves like you suck so bad. Like, why can't you just get this shit done? These are like, I'm speaking from experience. Yeah, that here. sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> that's very relatable. That's a very relatable um, phrase I might say to myself. Yeah. Where we're just like beating ourselves up about not getting things done. When you said justify, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Um, I mean, I think just like being like, well, I wasn't planning on this to happen. You know, I wasn't planning on my kid having to stay home from school. I wasn't planning on, you know, getting hit with this ridiculous headache. Um, and uh, justify like, well, you know, all the self-help talk says I'm supposed to take care of myself. And so maybe I did the actual right thing, uh, which is nicer way to talk to myself, but it also doesn't get my responsibilities taken care of. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add to the action list? I think I find other ways where I am incapable and fail other things. You find more evidence. Yeah. Okay. And then of course, this is going to create like this whole thing ends up being your lived experience. I love this circle that I'm playing around with because like, this is the thing that's outside of us. And then our thoughts and feelings and actions is just this like lived experience that's happening. So you basically create the reality of being incapable. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you already solve the problem. Like, I'm glad we went through this whole exercise for everybody to be able to see how to tease these things apart. But right as we got started, you're like, but wait, we always have stuff going wrong. And this 
and but we're not getting derailed like that. Yeah, it's um, I think it's always and I assume others will relate to this too. Like um, it's always funny to me that like stuff goes wrong all the time at work and I'm able to like in the hospital, with the, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I'm able to um, not get derailed. It's sort of like the other task, like the life living stuff. It <laughs> is so much harder. Yeah. Um, Why? Uh, I don't know why. I, I mean, I struggle with this a lot. I, in many areas where even the migraine, for example, like I still went to work and did my shifts, but then when I came home, I crashed and, you know, took the medicines and, um, uh, I don't know, maybe we're just so <laughs> well-trained to, maybe I'm just really well-trained uh, to do my job at the hospital and not really well-trained to do my job at life. <laughs> I'm sure it's not that, but. That's it. That is exactly it. So this is super important, super important. Okay, so here in this model, we have, we have this, um, example of how you are like literally creating evidence that you're incapable of something. Whereas in, in a scenario outside of yourself, when you are not at the center of the, of this ring, like you can create evidence of how you are like amazing at handling when things are not going well or going according to planned. The difference is the subject matter. The subject is you in this one and, and at the hospital, the subject is outside of you. So we, um, this is my belief here and I'll just put it out there. We as women have been socialized and indoctrinated to not matter. This has gone on for thousands of years. There's messaging coming to us, not only now, but has been passed on for generation after generation after generation to not matter. So of course, it's harder for you to apply all of your skills for handling when stuff is not going according to plan. Of course, it's harder for you to do that for yourself. You have never been invited to like, and not you specifically, but us in general, we have not been invited to participate and make ourselves matter in our own lives. Does that make sense? And maybe this doesn't resonate for you. Um, this is like a broad generalization about misogyny. Yeah, I mean, I think there's always undertones of that. Um, like there are often times where I do kind of wonder um, how, how a man would handle the same kind of thought model. Um, like they kind of never think they're incapable on all the fronts. And, 
I just feel like we've worked so hard to feel like we're capable in the OR, <laughs> um, we as women. Um, and then it, it's, I don't know, maybe it's like a badge of pride or something that we, we worked so hard and we got this, but like at home, it's just kind of what's always been expected of us. And so we're kind of set up to fail or feel like we failed or feel like we're not capable. Um, Ooh, yeah. I mean, the system is rigged to a certain degree, right? It's not the game. The game that we're playing is um, not exactly fair for everybody. And somebody here made a really good um, point in the chat. It's like work takes up all the bandwidth, especially our work. And I think the way many of us conduct our work is we exhaust our energy bank on things outside of ourselves. Um, and it's my personal opinion that the reason why we're so ready to do that is because we haven't learned how to do it any other way. And we haven't learned how to prioritize our needs or anything that has to do with us. And we're in this really amazing time of life where there's this conversation going on now where we have all this awareness about it. And well, now we actually do have an invitation to learn how to take care of ourselves. We actually do have like this conversation going on where we're supporting one another. And we know like, gosh, yeah, I feel like that too. I have always felt so selfish if I would have just like taken a week off for a migraine and then had to deal with my kid. And like, it's, it's just also new to us to even consider that maybe these tasks that is totally fine for them to not get complete in whatever time frame you had planned. Somebody else has commented, I can tell you exactly how the men would deal with your situation. They would simply not finish those evaluations. I think that's highly possible. Um, I think they wouldn't feel guilty about the fact that the evaluations aren't done yet. Right? They wouldn't make it they, mean anything about who they are as a who human they are. being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Somebody else said, I tried that technique recently. Simply ignored something I didn't want to do. Guess what? It went away. That's amazing. So that's another comment that Supernova made. It's like, we can do the same things. It just takes practice because we're so used to making these things mean something about us as a human being. We're used to it, making it mean we're either unworthy or not doing a good enough job or, you know, not, um, like we don't matter. It's really fascinating. This is a very important topic for us to be talking about today. And I'm, really grateful that you brought it up. Um, because I think that it's something that it impacts many, many of the people in our group. Um, so kind of teasing these things apart, anything coming up for you with it? Um, I mean, I just had a little bit of like a Charlie Brown, that's it moment. Um, when you said, you know, used to making it mean something, making it mean that I'm not worthy or that I'm incapable. Um, if 
you know, something normal uh, or, or something, something out of my control mm-hmm. um, causes a change in plans. That's just what that was. It's not meaning that I'm not capable or that I'm not good enough. It's just a thing that happened. Yeah. Um, and it's just so hard to see it. Cause I guess like my thought process is like, oh, but I should be able to deal with that and, you know, do all the things, even though that happened. Um, mm-hmm. But that's probably not really true for anybody. Like probably I need to figure out just how to be flexible and like, it's okay if I'm flexible or if it's okay, if I need to be flexible, maybe it's the better. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that then. Let's kind of bring this full circle, full circle and play with that a little bit. I'm not going to rewrite everything because it'll take me a hundred years, but so, um, what if you were like, it's okay for me to be flexible. Yeah, that feels a lot better than incapable. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're thinking it's okay for me to be flexible and how do you feel when you think that thought? Um, I feel... I don't know if it's calm or relieved. Um, <laughs> I think it's relieved in the setting of having just done the previous model, but um, yeah. it's okay. I mean, it's okay. I feel calm, relieved. Yeah. And when you feel calm and relieved, what do you do? Um, I can probably, I, I certainly can be more productive from that space. Um, or not, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> Or it can be not more productive, right? Because it doesn't, it's okay. <laughs> so I'm um, certain caps. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not, it's probably more important here the things that I'm not doing from that space. I'm not judging myself or um, speaking as unkindly toward myself um, so harshly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's really, really important. And what I was talking about in the beginning, I'm not sure if everybody heard it or not. One of the reasons I switched to the circular is to kind of emphasize how this is like a feedback loop that's not unidirectional. So we've got like this feedback when you're feeling calm and relieved, that's sending messages back up to your brain to be processed. And then that helps you expand your window of tolerance for when things are uncomfortable. So anytime you're in this like regulated state of feeling calm, stillness, relief, whatever, and being in your body in those times, it increases your capacity for more feelings of calm, more feelings of relief. I'm gonna maybe do a little bit of a, um, maybe an educational session about that, like outside of these coaching sessions. But anyway, so then when you then are now being more productive or not and not judging yourself, the result is, is that you are flexible. And it's like, you're giving yourself your own support. Yeah. 
Sorry about my dog's barking. And of course that's gonna then, you know, tie back to this thought. And then also this is your, like this is your experience now rather than this one. Um, this is a very different lived experience in this kind of like unintentional or default programming. And then in the more intentional programming, you then have nervous system regulation and you have a, you know, more of a self-supportive type of an experience of life. And I just wanted to point out here in the, in the default model, just to kind of drive home when we're like feeling incapable or we're like judging ourselves and we're really clinching down. It's almost like a real contracted type of a feeling. I'm not sure how you would describe it in your own body, Aurora, but that is a different level of nervous system activation, which then also provides feedback up to the brain, which makes things like we've sent that back up to the insula and the cingulate. And we make meaning out of that. So our body's feeling all clinched and crappy and tight and incapable. And then we send those signals, um, they're interoceptive signals that go up to your brain that then make meaning out of the situation that, oh, this situation's horrible. So it's like, it self feeds in that direction. Whereas on the other one, your calmness self feeds in a positive direction. Um, so there's some neurobiology there that I was just recently learning about, and I can't wait to teach everybody, but I think this is really fascinating how they like self-perpetuate that sort of like that internal status. Yeah, no, you're totally right. I, that is, I completely felt like clenched in my chest and my, um, shoulders, upper back, like between my scapulae, um, when, um, when I was describing incapable and, and coming up with actions from that place. And then, um. I think that's why it was so hard to come up with a feeling because with the intentional model, when, when we identified that thought, I couldn't even tell if I just felt relief or calm because I had moved out of that other model, or if that was the true feeling that I was looking for, just because I could feel that, like physically feel that sensation of mm. peace and regulation, like you were talking about. That's exactly right. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I think for us who maybe sometimes have a hard time kind of naming feelings. Um, we don't really need to, if you just kind of describe what it is that you're sensing in your body, like you just described tight muscles, tight chest, tight scapulae, like you don't have to name that it's, it's like contracted or then tight, or, um, you can even name the body parts or whatever, but then, on the opposite side of things, when you feel calm, it's important to take note of that. Like, where is that? What does that sensation feel like? What, how could you describe the sensation? Um, again, not you personally, but people in general who might not have as easy access to the words to name how things feel. Um, and being in your body and knowing um, like a greater awareness for those sensations is an amazing doorway into kind of hacking this feedback loop. So either on either side, whether you're contracted or expanded. So 
Um, yay, that was awesome. So just like I asked the first person, does that feel complete or do you have anything else that you, that came up for you or that you want to add? No, I mean, I think it, it really helps um, to kind of see and especially to contrast the original way I was feeling. I mean, as soon as we went through that intentional model, I was like, I'm sorry, I have to go. I got to go do some medical student evaluations right now. <laughs> I felt a lot more empowered. <laughs> yeah, right? So I'll just leave that up so everybody can see the, the, real, the peaceful, calm one. Okay, that's fantastic. Great, then I will lower your hand and um, we have about eight minutes. We could do a lightning round um, or have a chat or whatever if you want to, if anybody wants to volunteer. Okay. Um, we have just a little bit of time left if anybody wants to raise their hand. This has been super informative. The really cool thing about the group setting is that everybody who is listening here, um, we all are sharing in this wavelength and it's almost like we can um, tune in and kind of have some resonance, hopefully that the people who are listening along are just having some resonance in their own bodies and in their own minds as we go through these things. And that too helps to increase our, um, our window of tolerance. So um, yeah, okay. How are we doing? We've got seven minutes left. Any last little tidbits people want to add? or chat about. I'll just give it a minute or so. If we don't have a volunteer, then we'll just cut it early and y'all can enjoy the rest of your day. I am very, very grateful for your participation this morning. Um, just a reminder, we're, uh, we have CME links available to anybody who wants to have CME and then, um, oh, I will. Okay, here we go. Sunny Cold Day wants to hear about the complication. Um, so real quick, the CME links are just posted on the Room One website and it's just a take it only if you want it sort of situation. Uh, my complication. So I have a patient who I've known very well for several years. I did a hip reconstruction on, and I think had a true metal allergy. Um, I don't know that I've ever seen a true, true metal allergy, but this was like nothing I'd ever seen. So he's a larger kid, um, has a generous soft tissue envelope, if you know what I mean. And he had this reaction around a stainless steel plate in the proximal femur that was um, like a huge pseudo capsule with a bunch of rice bodies in it. And if we have our orthopedic surgeons on the call today, they'll understand what I'm talking about. Rice bodies are ordinarily these really tiny little white flaky things that look like rice and you find them in joints. Sometimes you find them around, um, I've heard them described around metal reactions, but this was like these discs, they were each about a nickel in size and they were thousands of them. I mean, people were coming into the room because it was like we were birthing an alien out of this person's hip. It was really, really remarkable. Anyway, long story short, he got a post-op seroma. 
came in, I was on call last weekend, thankfully. And so I brought him into the hospital and washed it out. And it was really just a seroma. Nothing grew. It wasn't an infection. It was a very large fluid collection. So I closed it over a couple drains and then he was just oozing all day long. So I went back into the hospital and it had gone from just like serosanguinous to bright red blood. And I ended up just making the decision to go back to the OR that night and take another look and look for any sort of bleeding. Um, I ended up closing it over a vac and uh, I'm gonna just close it secondarily with weekly vac changes. I think that's the safest thing. So what I learned um, you know, in retrospect is I could say, well, I should have just vac it in the first place or I should have, you know, of course we go through all the should haves and I did that because, you know, I'm a human being. And of course I'm going to say, well, I should have done something differently, but I mean, I did things kind of, okay. I did think I didn't veer off the standard of care in any way. Um, and something interesting about this time around is as it was happening, I was just telling myself, I was staying really data driven about it. And I was just working really hard to not make it mean something about me. And that was important to do because it was already a stressful day and it was stressful either way, but it would have been 10 times worse if I just would have been beating myself the, the entire time about what a terrible surgeon I am or what a shitty human I am or whatever, because this person had a, had a complication. And what that did, like really being intentional about keeping the data separated from who I am as a human being was useful. And it allowed me to be a lot more objective about things. And it allowed me to um, learn and kind of expand my thinking about why it might've been happening. And so learned a lot about supplements, learned a lot about how oregano and turmeric can really cause uh, qualitative platelet dysfunction, learned a lot about um, our wound back system at our hospital, which I don't have to deal with very much. Um, really got to build some trusting relationships with a couple of nurses and it opened up the door for us to kind of actually have a better rounding system happening between my team and the nurses. So a lot of good came out of it so far, uh, nothing devastating, but that was the complication and we all have them. It's inevitable because we're human and being a human is wonderful and it is okay to just be a human. Um, okay. I think that's it. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time. I'll have all these things posted later today. So you can circle back if you'd like to. Thank you so much and have a wonderful rest of your Saturday.